Welcome back to another episode. I am Sticks. This is my co-host and best friend D'Lo, and we are Pardon My Wisdom. We got some good content for you today, but before we get into the actual uh, episode, make sure you hit that like button. Make sure you hit that subscribe button. Like I said, like we said the last couple of weeks, it's 90% of y'all that ain't subscribed that's watching the video. So let's show us a little bit of love, help us get this content back out to y'all, and go ahead and hit that subscribe button. But of course, D'Lo, how was your Christmas, bro? How was your Christmas? Man, happy, bro? happy belated Christmas, my boy. Happy belated uh, Christmas, Christmas was good. My boy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Christmas was good. We, you already know what's coming. Spent time with the family. Spent time with the family. <laughs> my, immediate, my immediate family as well as my extended family. So traveled back home. Both of us are from the same place. Went back mm-hmm. there, got to chill with both sides of the family. Um, yeah, we had yeah. a big gathering at my sister's house where we ate a lot, had a lot of laughs, had a lot of heartfelt moments, uh, you know, just connecting, re-energizing with the family. So Christmas is good. The kids are happy for the most part. You know, some kids sure. want, you know, kids want certain things. They don't get exactly that. They kind of complain, you know, how we used to do when we were young. For but sure. it is what it is. They, they got gifts and they're fortunate. I, I received gifts. I was able to give gifts, which is always a blessing, especially with what's going on right now in the economy and everything. So Christmas was good, man. Happy to spend time with the family. How about you? How was your Christmas holiday? You know, man, mine was just like my Thanksgiving. It was, you know, I'm I'm gonna be a little transparent. It was a little lonely, not gonna lie. You know, because I'm out here in Washington by myself. You know what I'm saying? And you know, I I could have gotten Sam for Christmas, but you know, her mom had all the family up. Her sister was here. Her best friend was here. Her family. Her mom was in town. You know what I'm saying? So it didn't make no sense for Sam to come be by herself with me. I just let her stay mm-hmm. with her mom and enjoy the family, enjoy the Christmas holiday because I ain't selfish. You know what I'm saying? So I was in here just like Thanksgiving by myself, just kind of like watching basketball and watching football, just kind of chilling. It was, it was, it was, I, what I got for Christmas, the best present I can get is my sanity. So that's what I got. <laughs> I got sanity 100%. for Christmas, brother. You know what I'm saying? So everything was cool, man. But I have Sam now up until the 8th. So I got her for the next two and a half weeks. So me and her going to relax, chill out, make sure we uh, spend some time together. And I'm about to get her a volleyball trainer, too. She don't know it, but she about to be doing some work. So uh, oh, shoot. <laughs> she about to be doing some work. So I'm about to get her a job. I was talking to the girl last night about getting her a trainer. So that's in the work. Yeah. So everything is cool, man. Everything is cool. Uh, I do. I did miss home. Did miss family. But, you know, for for that little girl, I get a world, man. You know what I'm saying? So that's yeah, I'm 100%. Here. And, and yes, I'm sure she appreciates that. I say to many people that are in the uh, situation where the baby father or the father of the child is not quite doing what he's supposed to do. I said, I guess I'm biased because I see situations and multiple situations from my friends that are nothing like what I hear. So mm-hmm. I'm sure, again, I just want to say I appreciate you for being a great example. And I'm sure Sam appreciates you for doing everything that you have done to be with for her sure, during these times. But I will say, if this thing blows how we want it to blow, 
then we can get you back on the East Coast in these for days, sure. these type, these type of times. You'll be with family and friends. Man, I can't wait, bro. I can't wait. Let's make it happen, guys. <laughs> Let's make it yes, happen. Yes, sir. But um, as far as the topics, what we got for the day, my boy? My my guy, we got some good topics today. He's going to stay kind of in the college ranks mm-hmm. with our topics today. First on the docket will be the defense bill that may prevent ac- uh, academy cadets or you know service cadets from playing professional sports straight out of college. We'll talk about the chaos that's in the transfer portal with the NIL and all of that. And we'll also talk about Ed Reed being named the head coach of the illustrious HBCU that is Bethune-Cookman. For sure, man. For sure. Let's get right into it, man. Let's so let's go ahead and talk about the defense room, my boy. Yes, sir. So, um, in the last two, uh, earlier this month, the provision was set in place by the government uh, to not allow service academy cadets to delay their military services to pursue professional sports opportunities. Um, this will end and the starting fiscal year 2023, the change is included in the National Defense Authorization Act, which has been approved by Congress and is awaiting the president's signature. Under this new rule, any agreement a cadet enters into to play professional sports before serving their military obligation will be considered a breach of their agreement to serve as a military officer. It is Mm -hmm. not yet clear on how this law will impact specific individuals, but we do know it is waiting the president's signature and is set to be set in place immediately. My boy Sticks, what are your thoughts on this change and how do you think it will affect current and future service academy athletes? Man, so I noticed this a couple of weeks back. Um, It's a linebacker that plays for Army. His name is uh, Andre Carter Jr. Uh, He is projected to be a first-round draft pick. And whenever this bill was passed earlier this month, it kind of, you know, deterred his dream of playing professional sports a little bit. And which I think is kind of messed up, man, because throughout the years, you were able to be you, you were able to go play football there. And if you got the opportunity to go play professional sports, you were able to do that and then serve your time afterwards. Right. And mm-hmm. but. There has been a couple of times uh, in the past where, like Roger Staubach, the the famous uh, quarterback for the the, um, <clears throat> the the Dallas Cowboys, he spent five years serving before he even started his Hall of Fame career in the NFL. So it's kind of like it, over the years, it's kind of been wishy washy on how they wanted to actually do it. But here recently, you've been able to go pursue your professional career as far as sports prior to you actually having to serve your years. But now that with that defense bill, with, with it being a breach of your uh, service obligation, like. A lot of guys who have those aspirations, actually have that talent, are going through the situation where, oh my God, well, what the hell? You know what I'm saying? And I think it's kind of messed right. up. And he had a bit, and, and Andre Carter had a really good point. Like, I stayed, he, he was thinking about going through the transfer portal and actually going to another school, but he stayed at Army because he has loyalty to the school and loyalty to the, to the, uh, to the nation as far as possibly at some point, you know, living his obligation as a cadet. But that same loyalty wasn't given to him whenever this rule was passed. So he kind of made it, like him and his family and the coaches made an uproar about it a little bit and kind of was like, hey, man, this this ain't fair to him because he has first-round talent. So it's not fair to him so, to go pursue his professional career. I'm glad you actually, because I, I, when you said it, I was like, dang, I meant to look that up. But do you yeah. know if they can actually transfer from Army 
or whatever the Air Force or Navy to go to a school for whatever whatever sport that they're playing. Now, because I, if not, they've signed yeah, that, well, I was yeah, going to yeah, ask yeah. if they've signed that agreement and the mm-hmm. agreement says that they can't play professional sports after college until mm-hmm. they've done their whatever time served. Right. Then are they able to then transfer? That's a question I think we need. We probably we might need to look need into. To look I up. believe yeah. that I believe that he can. I, I think your your obligation to service isn't to after you finish your your um your schooling after you finish your four years mm-hmm. after you graduate. That's when you have the obligation to go as a cadet or or a, or a midshipman. But mm-hmm. up until I, I think while he's still playing and while he's still a student athlete, if he wanted to go through the portal and go to say Clemson or Florida State of Florida, he could do that. So he can he mm-hmm. can transfer and without any obligation to have to tr- to do that after he graduates because then at that point he's not a cadet anymore now he's a regular student athlete at another university that's what I believe I'm not 100 percent sure yeah. about that so we have to check into it but I believe that yeah, he we'll is eligible that. to go through the portal prior to him graduating from Army or Navy or Air Force or something like that so I think he is and, able to do that he said he was going to but he ended up staying because he was loyal to the uh, to the university and to his uh, obligation to, to serve his country and what year is he? He's a senior. Oh, so he has no more eligibility. Exactly. Okay. He's a senior. Unless yeah, so he unless like, he gained a couple unless he gained a year from COVID like everybody else had, but right. um he's he's a senior at Army right now and he's projected to go first round draft pick. He's the number I, I think um Mel Kuyper has him as the number number twenty the number two linebacker in the actual draft. Oh. Oh man, that sucks. Exactly. So he's a first round draft pick. So if they didn't, so, but he was actually granted the, um, let me see, let me find out if I can say it right. He was actually granted a legacy exception. So where he can actually go and enter the draft. Okay. But, but so, so the rule says, and let me make sure I'm quoting this correctly. Carter is entering, he was considered entering the transfer portal after 2021 season, but decided to stay at the U S military Academy at West Point because of the, of the 2019 rule that allowed athletes to defer service until they, after their pro career. But it says that under the new provision, athletes who graduate after 2025 must complete a minimum of two years of immediate military service before they can turn pro at any sport. So everybody who everybody prior to 2021 can get that legacy exception, but everybody after July, 2021 has to Mm -hmm. serve in a minimum of two years before they can before they can uh, try to go pro. So they've put in place. So then, okay, that that makes sense. Mm-hmm. They put in place to where those that are already in school will be able to stay under the same rules that are already in place. But those that mm-hmm. enter the enter um, at that time won't be able to do take advantage of that rule that's already in place. Exactly. 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 So people okay. who people who are coming out now have that legacy exception. Everybody after them eh, got to serve that time. And, and yeah. to, to, to defend your your, uh, your country, so which is I, I think it's to me honestly is I think it's whack. I mean, say how you, you feel. You went to you went to these universities. You went to Army. You went to Navy. You went to Air Force with the understanding that after you graduate, you're going to be a cadet. You un, mm-hmm. you understood that you're going to be a soldier. But with these these gentlemen or women or you know these these ladies and gentlemen who have the professional skill to go professional yeah they should be allowed to do so especially whenever there's millions of dollars on the table for them to change their life and change their family's life mm-hmm. and change their lineage's life they should be able to take the opportunity to go pro and actually play pro sports i don't see why 
the government is forcing them to be a cadet if they have this talent. But that's just my opinion. What you think? Yeah, so I completely agree with the last part of what you said and completely disagree with the ruling or this bill that's going to be passed. Um, however, we know that a couple of different parties, a couple of parties will argue this differently, right? You have a camp that says um, kids shouldn't be going to school in the first place just to play sports. They should be worried about their mm -hmm. academics. You have another party that'll say um, they should be concerned with the, the country more than their professional career or any professional league. You also have, you know, this, this last small pocket of individuals that'll say kids knew what they were signing up for when they decided to go to army, Navy or air force. Right. Right. Those arguments, they, there is some validity in, in those arguments. Mm -hmm. However, we know that there is a small percentage <clears throat> of individuals that have the opportunity to make it professionally in this country. One percent, one percent, right? Or somewhere around that. One percent mm -hmm. only has the opportunity to make it professionally, and that's being drafted in any round, getting uh, undrafted, whatever the case may be. Percentages are small. We also know that there's a small percentage of Division One athletes that actually play sport, or Division One. There's a small percentage of the Division One population that actually mm -hmm. plays sports for their school. Right. So. You're telling me as these service academies that I only have 5% of my school that plays sports for me, out of that 5%, only 1% has the opportunity to make it. And I'm going to tell them if they do have the opportunity, no, you can't go because you have to serve your country. You have an obligation I to mean, your country. Right. I mean, I, I get that. But. What I would rather, if I'm a service academy, I would rather have the opportunity to have some individual in some capacity down the line than to not have an individual at all. Because this, what's going to happen is people, kids are going to see that obligation that they have to go no matter what to serve their country for a short amount of time after college. And they're going to say, Nah, I'm not gonna go. I mean, honestly, you That's and funny. I went through it when we were when we were recruited. Because I mean, we both were recruited by these service academies. I had, I mean, I love I love America, but I had no intention of ever going into any type of military or whatever the case may be. Mm -hmm. But that was one of the reasons why I automatically turned it down anyway. Because I'm like, I don't want to go and serve in the army or the navy whatever the case may be. And we respect soldiers. We respect midshipmen. We respect um, Air Force. Uh, what is it? Is it cadets, pilots, Air Forcemen? Mm -hmm. Cadet, cadets yeah, we, and midshipmen. Mm -hmm. Right. We respect all of them. We love what they do. We respect them for what they do for our country. It's just not for me. Uh, right. And I'm not afraid to say that. Uh, Likewise. So, so if I am the government, if I'm these academies, I would rather have some people in place than no people in place. And like mm -hmm. I said, it's, it's, it's only a select few that have that opportunity to be uh, in the NFL or the NBA or the Major League Baseball, Major League Soccer, whatever respective sport that is. So you're, you're talking about a small number of individuals that you're probably going to miss out on. But what we know and why this, why I think this rule has been put in place is we know that recruiting as a whole 
for the army and military has been down the last couple of years. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think last year they they beat their their quota, their goal by two hundred soldiers, mm-hmm. uh, and then the year before that they the army just beat their goal by fifty three soldiers. So mm-hmm. we we know that as a whole is down. So if mm-hmm. they're just barely beating their quota and we're talking about a small percentage of individuals have the opportunity to make it to the pros, that small percentage could be a big difference to them making their goal or not. That's a bit that, that and I'm glad you said I'm glad you brought that point up because and just to take it a step further, not even with the quota of the army itself, but what about these actual sports programs for these for these universities? So you so you mean to tell me and to the point you made about me and you deciding to go to college and opposed to going to the military. You know what I'm saying? We were athletes, so we were destined to go anyway. But honestly, and really good at exceptional athletes. But in opposed to going to the army, we decided to go to college. So say mm-hmm. you have a guy who is, say, two, three-star athlete, right? That is being recruited by army. It's probably army is probably one of his best decisions that he could go to. He can either go to army or he could go to Winston-Salem State. Not nothing about Winston-Salem State. I love y'all. Y'all HBCU. I love y'all. But Mm-hmm. Army is probably a better program, a pre- probably better academic program than Winston-Salem, right? So mm-hmm. if you tell this, this athlete that if you go to Army and you ball out on the football field and you are projected to go number one, you can't go to the league because you have to serve two years, that three-star is going to go to Winston. I believe because pro- I, th- I think these programs are going to lose out on a lot of good recruits to keep their programs afloat and they're going to be... The, the not not to say that army and navy and air force have not been good programs over the years but historically they've been getting beat up by a lot of these bigger schools and you need some of these good recruits to be able to come to your your university or your program to be able to compete with some of these colleges especially whenever you're independent so mm-hmm. telling these athletes that have aspirations to go to the league that if you come here you can't go to the league right out of college you're going to lose those athletes and yep. it sucks for the program and it sucks for these for these students. So and not to say that going and serving your country is not a good thing to do. Like like D'Lo said, we respect all of y'all. Y'all y'all doing a bigger thing than me because I couldn't do it myself. But mm-hmm. a lot of a lot of kids, that's how I was growing up. That's how D'Lo was growing up. We had aspirations to be professional athletes and we got damn close to being to doing that. So a lot of these kids coming up now have we have that conversation all the time just just a little bit though just a little bit just a little bit but yeah but but these kids have these same aspirations that we had as kids and for them to not be able to do that and then come back if they do their two years in the military and they come back and they try to go to the league they already have two years of film that they don't have they have two years of not playing organized sports they have two years of not working out towards their craft now they have now they're two years behind in something that they have always dreamed of being, and I don't think that's fair right. to these athletes. So you're going to lose a lot of these two, three, even four, five star athletes because they don't want to come to your university and then have to be obligated to go to the military. I don't think that's fair. Yeah. No, nah, it's, it's definitely that. not fair. It's definitely not fair, and I think, um, I think they're the the military academies will feel the the blunt of this blow, uh, mm-hmm. or is it the brunt? Blunt or brunt, brunt, whatever the brunt brunt of this blow uh, (laughs) immediately. Because in 2003, they put together a committee to figure out how they can be more competitive in their sports. Mm -hmm. And one of the the main um, outputs from those meetings from that committee was allow the athletes to go professional immediately. Um, 
And mm-hmm. I think it was put into place, if not the next year, the year after that. And Army, I played Army when I was in college. Mm-hmm. Always tough. They all pretty much run the same type of offense. They run this yeah, wishbone option type yeah. wing yeah. T, yeah, option type offense. And it's it's hard on the defense because they have to be so disciplined without, you know, throughout the whole game. And they just chew up the clock, you know, for those that don't know football, possession of time is key, especially if you're scoring a lot, you're getting a lot of yards, because you're keeping mm-hmm. the ball from the offense, the other team. Um so and so if you put that type of offense with top tier athletes and we're talking about football because sticks and I both play football. Um, Mm -hmm. He played basketball as well, but you put that type of uh, that type of athlete in that type of offense, it just makes it that much better. And so, especially with football, because it brings in more, most of the money for programs, um, individual programs, you, you take those athletes out of those positions for those teams. And then they go back down to being, not that competitive and mm-hmm. air force is they won 10 games two years in a row mm-hmm. um army is always competitive i think they they won like eight seven or eight games this year navy mm-hmm. also so you take those players out and I, I won't say it again this is my last time saying but you take those players out of those programs and they just go to being four five win programs and just somebody that you put on the on the on the schedule to show respect to the country, but then also to right. get an easy win for homecoming or whatever the case may be. I agree with that. I agree with that. And it's, and it's funny because there is, I don't know if you saw the report, but there's a Republican, Mike Gallagher, the Republican from Wisconsin, that was one, was one of the, the, the founders of this amendment, of this rule to do away with the deferment. And mm-hmm. he, he argued that military academies exist to solely develop troops, not professional athletes. And I was like, bro, that is some bullshit to say. And then he goes on to say, talking about some, uh, I'm going to read this quote. When a midshipman or cadet opts out, opts to put off their service to obligation to pursue a career of professional athlete, in effect, in effect, it means they remove an opportunity from an individual who's committed to carrying out their service obligation immediately following graduation. So that means there are thousands of patriotic Americans who do not have the opportunity to attend military service academy because of these professional athletes. That, that's like, a lie. Um, I, like, I, bro, I what? Like, what are you talking exactly. about? <laughs> One, I don't, I don't agree with that because um, there you have to be really smart to go to these schools. One hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, you have to be really smart, to, especially. I, I don't know about Navy and um, and uh, Air Force. I would imagine, but Army. I know I've been to West Point. You have to be really really smart to go to that school um, <laughs> on top of being uh, on top of being an athlete. So there may be a thousand Patriots that want to be in the army. They're going to have to go about it the, the regular way. They can't go. They're not going to go to West Point and be a part of that class in order to get into the army. So mm-hmm. that statement, it, it, okay, it may be some validity in it that, that, that the individuals that pursue, decide to pursue their dreams of going to the NFL or NBA, whatever the case is, may have taken an opportunity from one or two individuals that were smart enough to get into the uh, West Point, into that academy. Mm-hmm. But we know statistically, not a lot of individuals can go to West Point and then will continue to be a part of the cadet class that is going to be in the Army. Because it's also hard to stay 
at West what? Point once you get there. <laughs> getting up at five o'clock in the morning, you know, what? it's yeah, it's, bro. It's, it is not easy. On top not of easy. being an athlete, you also have to do all of the grueling stuff that they do on a regular basis it. as a regular mm-hmm. student. So, yep. I mean, let's not, let's not, I, I, I'm mad at, he said that that's terrible. Yeah, let's not, let's not, let's not discount that. these guys for sure. Because, but so right. do you think, so do you think he's basically, so what I think he's basically saying, and you can, you can agree, or you can disagree. What I think he's basically saying is if you're thinking about going and being a professional athlete, don't come to army, don't go to air force, don't go to Navy, go somewhere where you think you can pursue a professional athlete, a professional athlete career. That's what I think he's saying. But then he also goes in to say, he says, I'm glad that the updated text grandfathered those those players in like the um, <clears throat> like Mr. Carter. He was like, but moving forward, there is so much more work to be done to ensure our military service academies are laser focused on their core, which is training the next generation of warfighters, not professional athletes. He was really right. just, he, he kind of pissed me off whenever I read this. Because I was like, what is he talking about? Like, bro, like, yeah. if these guys are at your university, they have the opportunity, let them. Let right. them. Because whenever they graduate, they still have that obligation to serve the country. So if they do four or five years in the NFL, they still have to do their two to five years in the military. So right. they still have that obligation to the country. But if they have that immediate, you know, impact on their life to go play professional sports, let them, bro. Why not? Yeah. Why are you so mad, bro? Like that's what I said. I'm like, why, why are you so mad? No, I agree with with your statement. I think he is basically telling any individual that has aspirations of being a professional athlete, don't even look at the academies because one, we don't. I yeah, one, we don't want you to go, and two, you're not gonna go um, right to the, to, to the pros. But I'll I'll stick with what I said. If I am those academies. I'm kind of upset that you put this rule in place. Whether that's the the people that are a part in charge of those sports or the academy itself, because I would rather have somebody in that position to fill those roles at some point in time than nobody, and hope that we can get somebody else to fill that spot. That's what I hope too. I'm, and I'm gonna save my next question for our next segment. But with this being this rule being in place. That transfer report about to go crazy, I think. But we're gonna we're gonna talk about that. We're gonna talk about mm-hmm. that next. We're gonna talk about that next in the yeah. next segment. But my final wisdom on this is I'm so glad that they they gave that legacy exception to the guys prior to the 2021 ruling. So that way they mm-hmm. can go ahead and pursue their professional career if they have the talent to do so. That's men, yep. women, basketball, football, soccer, tennis, whatever they want to do. Um, but I am a little upset that this rule is going to hinder everybody moving forward because that's going to not only hinder the athletes that are already in the academy, but it's also going to hinder the programs as well moving forward in the future for getting these these better athletes, these these higher profile athletes to come to Army or Navy or Air Force to be able to pr- pursue a better program. Because like you said, these programs are eight to ten wins uh, seasons right now. And for the past probably like four or five years, they have been. But moving forward, mm-hmm. without those without those athletes, these programs are going to drop to four or five win programs and they're going to be looked at. You know, like you said, like a homecoming win, an easy win because they don't have the athletes that these other schools have because they don't want to go to Army, Air Force, or Navy anymore. So it's it's gonna it's gonna be something it's gonna be something crazy to see as things move forward because I think it's gonna hurt the program and the students a lot and, and the recruiting a lot. But uh, the students that are already there are gonna be mad and they're probably gonna leave. I'm not gonna lie, probably gonna leave. If they have aspirations yeah. to go pro. They're probably gonna leave these academies. But what you think? What's so 
I think this is telling of a couple of things. I've already mentioned one of them as far as what we're about to see as a country. Um, I think it's telling of the the down downward trend of enlistment for these mm-hmm. particular academies. I also think it's telling of we are gearing ourselves up as a country uh, to to be on ready alert, or as Kanye said, DEFCON uh, <laughs> five. <laughs> we're sure. we're ready. We're going to be ready mm-hmm. to go at any point in time, especially with what's going on right now in mm-hmm. um, with Russia and Ukraine. At any point right. in time, it could go south, and everybody on this planet is going to be <laughs> part of World War Three. So I I just think I think that's what this bill being passed at this point in time um, is really telling to me. Um, I do think it's unfortunate that they will probably hold everybody, all the cadets that are part of these academies, their feet to the fire if they, in fact, do have the opportunity to turn pro. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it also will be, it will be, on, it will be damning to them. Um, it mm-hmm. will hurt. It be hurtful to those academies because they will no longer get those individuals that they probably would have gotten to come to those academies and serve their country and then play the sport as well. I agree. I agree, bro. hundred percent. All right. So moving on to the transfer portal and the NIL, um, which is a bit chaotic right now. So this year has seen a, a record number of athletes entering the transfer portal and attempting to leave their school, their respective schools and transfer to another school to play immediately. The transfer portal and the NIL have made it a lot easier to make athletes um, for athletes to make the decision to leave school and even potentially get more money for playing at these new schools. So, Sticks, Mm -hmm. let's talk about the transfer portal and um, that has seemingly taken over college football. I know you want me to give a little bit of background on what the the transfer portal is and the NIL Mm -hmm. um, so I can speak to that to update you on it or how you want to handle it. So, so for what I do know, the transfer portal was created as a compliance tool to, to, mm-hmm. and this is, I got this off of um, ESPN.com to yep. systematically manage the transfer process from start to finish. And to add a little bit more transparency to the process among schools <clears throat> and empower student athletes to make known their desire to consider other programs. I believe the transfer portal is amazing. I believe it's amazing. Mm-hmm. I don't have a lot of background in it as far as, you know, knowing exactly how it works and, you know, but I do understand why a lot of stu- a lot of student athletes would do it because I also I'm looking at a Fox Sports ad right uh, um uh, uh I'm looking at something on Fox Sports right now where it says this is breaking down a lot of like profile players that went to different universities and are now transferring just as of December to other universities to get a better opportunity or to get more exposure, um, to possibly go professional, like we were talking about in the last segment. So, it's yep. it's this, this is 115 people from December 1st to yesterday that have entered the transfer portal and he, have either already decided what school they're going to, or are still waiting for schools to give them some attention and give them some scholarship money or whatever the case may be. So, break it down for me, D'Lo, about the uh, the transfer portal. Give me a little bit more insight on that. Yep. Yeah, so the transfer portal was introduced in 2018, and what it was was it was a way to uh, it was a way to have smoother 
transaction um, for athletes that wanted to transfer. Because before the transfer portal, uh, athlete had to ask the coach if they could transfer. The coach mm-hmm. could say yay or nay. From there, they would go to their compliance officer. The compliance officer would then, you know, reach out to any school that they had interest in, in, in going to the schools. If they had interest in that player coming to their school, they would send a, some type of questionnaire. I'm not quite sure what the questions entail, mm-hmm. but the compliance officer would have to fill those out. And then from there, the schools can communicate with that respective player on visiting their school and potentially coming to their school. Well, with the transfer portal, all the player had to do was then go to the compliance officer, say, I want to enter the transfer portal. The compliance officer would enter their information into the transfer portal, which is just a website that is not mm-hmm. public, but um, coaches and administrators can look at. And um, from there, the schools can look at it. They can, you know, filter it based off of certain criteria, division, sport, so on and so forth, and see mm-hmm. who's in there contact those individuals directly, whether it be by email. I think it's just email initially, but once they exchange emails, then they can look at, they can get their phone number and communicate that way. Um, now, the flip side of it is, with the, well, with the transfer portal, I don't know if I said this, I can't remember if I said it or not. The player now does not have to go to the coach he can just go straight to the compliance officer mm-hmm. the compliance mm-hmm. officer say i want to enter the transfer portal but if the coaching staff finds out and they don't they don't necessarily agree with it and let's say the player decides ultimately not to to take his name out of the transfer portal now the school that he wanted to leave has the power to say well we're going to take your scholarship so right. it, and, it's, and what, I, what I would assume, I don't mean to cut you off. What I would assume mm-hmm. is that this player that wants to go into the portal would at least seek some 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 advice from his coaching staff or from his advisor or somebody of that nature to be able to say, OK, should I do this? What is the what is the pros and cons? You know, without if I do decide to go through the portal and see if I can find a better opportunity for myself, will I lose my scholarship? Is that an opportunity? Is that, you know, that is that a, well, a con to yeah, it? Well, that's you know a, what I'm saying? So I would, I would assume that they would do that, you know? Well, that's the thing is there now with the transfer portal and the ability of you getting to another school so easily and with mm-hmm. the ability of you um, potentially even getting to a better school, mm-hmm. co- uh, the, the, the thing that's going around college football now in the, in the college football circles is it's hard for coaches to really discipline players. It's hard for them. If you have a, a top recruit or whatever the case may be, if you have him and he's not playing is it's hard for you to not play him or use that as a, as a disciplinary reason because they'll just enter the transfer portal. And I say that because you mm-hmm. said um, the player that's wanting to transfer may seek seeks guidance on it mm-hmm. oftentimes that's not the case they're just saying well all right i'm oh, not yeah. i'm not seeing what i want right now mm-hmm. i don't care what you're talking about i want to transfer um but you know there's, there's a couple of things that also changed recently that has made the transfer portal even more prominent and promising for players so when mm-hmm. the rule was created initially only graduate 
players could leave that school and play at a different school immediately. But okay. April 2021, that rule changed. So if you if it's your first time transferring, you can go to another school, no matter if you're going up or down. So up means you're going from Division Two, Division Three to Division One, mm-hmm. um, and down meaning you're going from a higher division to a lower division or across across a division. Because um, it used so, to be, if you go down, you didn't have to sit out. But if you go if you if you go down, you do have to sit out. But if you go up, you don't. Right? That's how no, it used to no, be. No, no, right? no. So it was no, backwards. So if you yeah backwards if you go down you could play immediately if immediately. you go up you could not you had Got to sit you. out okay. here and if okay. you like let's just say um across the division so if i was staying in division 1 but mm-hmm. i was going from let's say nc state to nevada or something like that mm-hmm. or whatever the case may be i had to sit out a year unless i got a waiver from the ncaa saying okay due to this circumstance, you are able to transfer and play immediately. And immediately means playing the next year. So if I was to transfer mm-hmm. mid-season, I couldn't play in that season. I had to wait till the next season to play. Right. Um, right, right. But April 2021 changed that. So from there, with that ruling, you could play immediately no matter where you were going um, if it was your first time transferring. Now, after that, you had to follow the old the old rules that we just mentioned. Um, but then also what followed that April 2021 ruling was the NIL. And so this is why the, hmm. this is another aspect of the transfer portal that's really like changing the landscape of college football. Okay. And we talked about this in episode three of yeah, our podcast, yep. right? About talking about the NIL and how players are now able to make money and it was intended to be advertising dollars, but what's really happening is boosters are pooling together money and enticing players to come over. And so this is why the transfer portal is starting to get a little chaotic. It's a trend right now where players are balling out at the school that they signed up to play for so that their scholarship Mm -hmm. that they signed to and they're then entering the transfer portal and trying to get money to play at either a a bigger school or a school that where their boosters have deep pockets and mm-hmm. are telling them to come. Um, many are saying, as I mentioned earlier, that this is going to be a, a trend that changes the college football landscape. So, in fact, today on his podcast, Slow News Day, Kevin mm-hmm. Clark says the recruiting the recruiting class from high school establishes your floor. The portal is going to be your ceiling. So, what he meant by that was. Your your recruiting your recruits from high school are going to be your baseline. Your your pretty much your foundation for your foot your respective teams, whether that's football, basketball. You're seeing the transfer portal be heavily talked about in football because football is one of the only sports that has a a three year mandate for you mm-hmm. to enter the professionals. Whereas every other league, the there's either no age limit or it's like it's 19 one year which is, yeah right mm-hmm. it's, it's like one, one year, year. so mm-hmm. right so players don't really have to worry about transferring back and forth unless they're not that good they're not good enough to be in the professional ranks um but then kevin goes on to say that he believes that more star players are going to go from team to team and they are going to be um enticed by boosters to go play for million dollar contracts. I wholeheartedly 
believe this is going to be the case. And this is the new situation. This is the new, um, the new, what am I trying to say here? It's going to be the new area of football that we're sitting in right now. It's going to be the new normal. Yeah, it's going to be the new normal. It's going to be the, it's going to be the new normal for football, for the NCAA in general, because Mm -hmm. a, a great example of that would be just recently, as early as this month, the UNC quarterback Drake May, who decided mm-hmm. to stay, was was offered, I believe it's reported that he was offered up to five million dollars to go to another university. And he decided to stay. Dough. I ain't gonna lie to you. If I'm Drake, I'm out the dough. I ain't gonna <laughs> I, I think anybody would, but I mean, so but that's the thing though. If he was offered five million dollars to stay. I mean, to leave and he stayed, how much money was he offered to stay? True. I, that's a good point. That's a good point. I'm about, I'm about you know what I mean? He so, was offered more than five mil to stay, for sure, for sure. Exactly. So, right. um, I mean, we don't know if he was actually yeah. offered any money or not. But what we do know is Mac Brown did say that he did confirm that he was offered um, a large sum of money to leave. He didn't name the individual university mm-hmm. that offered that money, but he did confirm that. Um, I, I just floated out the opportunity. I just floated out the the possibility that he was probably offered more money to stay. Um, mm-hmm. that, that has not been confirmed or not, but you can only you can only, can only imagine. That, right? You can only right. You can only stayed, imagine he, and speculate that. Come on, exactly. Right. So, but but that's why I decided that this would be a good topic to talk about is because for so long the NCAA was telling players one you couldn't transfer. Um, and play right away. They mm-hmm. they frowned upon that um, because then you you're looking at you're looking at transactions. I said the word transactions earlier for on purpose. You're looking at mm-hmm. transactions occurring. You're looking at players constantly going from school to school, and that's hard for coaches to manage those rosters. And then two, they also told players that they couldn't make money. So now you have everything that they said that they didn't want is going on. I think college football has changed forever. I think it has too. What are your thoughts? And you kind of, you kind of look at it, man, you look at the Spencer Rattlers of the world. You look at the Baker Mayfields of the world, those guys who utilize the transfer portal to get to. And whenever the line says better schools, it means better sports program. Just in case anybody gets pissed off about saying this school ain't better than my school or whatever. Right. 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 100%. Glad you cleared that up. Yeah. So it's, they're just trying to get to a, these, these, these student athletes who are high, you know, three, four, five star recruits come out of, come out of high school. They're trying to figure out how can they, number one, maximize their name, image, and likeness. And number two, Mm -hmm. maximize their opportunity to get to their big dream, which we talked about last segment of getting to the NFL or the NBA or the MLB or however they want to, whichever dream that they have. So, the transfer portal allows them to say, okay, cool. I went to FAMU. I bought out at FAMU. Let me see if I have an opportunity. I got, I got a, as a receiver, I got 100 catches, 1,000 yards at FAMU. Let me see if Florida State might say, okay, damn, he bought out at FAMU. Let's give him an opportunity here with a mm-hmm. full scholarship and offer him his name, image, and likeness to be worth about $2 million. And that, that's what these kids are looking for now. Now that they have these opportunities to maximize their NIL and possibly get to a, to a stage where, of course, FAMU is a, an illustrious HBCU and they have a good program. But Florida State, the, the prestige of that university and the actual uh, notoriety that it has, 
could get him way more looks as far as the NFL is concerned anyway, especially if he's going to ball yep. out the same way he balled out at FAMU. So mm-hmm. it just gives them opportunity. It's not taking any opportunity away from them. It's giving them these options to say, damn, I can take advantage of this and possibly reach the dream that I've always had as a kid. So yep. I like the I like the transfer portal. What, the thing that I – you talked – when we were when we were planning this uh, throughout the week, you talked about your boy from Wake Forest. And yep. – he yep. played four seasons, right? If I'm not mistaken, four seasons yep. at Wake Forest, and now he's going to take that. Go utilize the transfer portal to take that fifth season to go to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. To me, that don't. To me, it doesn't make sense. But I guess, in the sense of what I just said about the NIL and utilizing it to, to reach their dreams, I guess it makes sense to him. But how do you like? How what kind of sense do you make of his of his decision? I I don't. I mean, I can understand. I can understand. And he was balling at Wake Forest. He was doing his thing. Yeah, yeah, Because it's a little bit of a more prestigious program, but still, like, come on, bro. Yeah, so the the, the thing that I can understand is him going to Notre Dame. We're talking about Notre Dame, the Notre Dame football. Mm -hmm. To be a part of that program, to have your name um, attached to that type of program, you know, to me, holds a, a high place in the world of football. If Agreed. you can, no matter where Notre Dame is in their their program as far as win, wins and losses, having your name attached to Notre Dame is going to put you at a different pedestal than somebody at Wake Forest. My school, mm-hmm. love I, I love it, but no offense to them, but it's not it's not Notre Dame. It's not Notre Dame, right? Where I have a issue with it is is he is the all time leading uh he's all-time leader of touchdown passes Mm -hmm. i think i read he was also also all-time leader of actual passing yards yeah yeah i mean he's the leading passer he's broken a lot of records yeah right he broke many records at wake forest right Uh, and for the acc right Mm -hmm. his name was in the at one point you know he he ended the year not so great the team ended the year not so great but Mm -hmm. to start the year and up to like game seven or eight, he was the top, and you know, talks of being the top, one of the top five, top three quarterbacks to come off the board. So it's not mm-hmm. like he he didn't do his thing. Um, but I, what I think happened is towards the end of the year, he didn't play as well as he should have um, okay. because Wake Forest is a different type of offense. They're RPO-based offense. Mm-hmm. And while the RPO, and we don't want to get too much into depths of, Sport, uh, the actual sport of football, uh, while RPO is starting to see a lot more of um, action in the NFL, most NFL teams want to see you run either a spread type, truly spread type offense or a traditional under center offense. Mm-hmm. And um, he's not the first quarterback to have success at Wake Forest and decide to leave uh, to go to a different school. It's just the amount of stats that he put up is kind of surprising. Um, right. Wish him the best, but it for the trans in talks of the transfer portal to me is kind of strange for a kid like that to have his name. Because I mean, for me, okay, let me just say what I want to say. I Good think evening. he should just go to. <laughs> I think he should just go to the NFL, put his name in the NFL uh, to be drafted rather than going to Notre Dame. Um, because I mean, while while you do have the ability to go to a program like Notre Dame mm-hmm. uh, and 
update your status, knock on wood, you also have the ability to have something else more detrimental happen to where sure. that dream of you going to the NFL is taken away from you. Mm-hmm. So I really feel like while the transfer portal, I'm for the transfer portal. I'm for players making money in college sports now because for so long they have been, we have been taken advantage of mm-hmm. um, and watch people that coach us make all of this money, watch schools make all this money. But the product that people are coming to see gets nothing but a sandwich, some meals, room and board, and a couple of clothes. Okay, that's great. But (laughs) can I get a little bit more? Um, So I think it's great. But I think some of these kids that are deciding to ball out or that are balling out and have the potential to go to the NFL and are eligible to go to the NFL, I think they either need to go to the NFL. Mm-hmm. or try to transfer a bit earlier so that 100%. they have the opportunity to prove themselves a bit earlier whether rather than waiting so long it's just it's just odd to me um that he is 25 26 something like that he's, it says he's, he's 20 24 years old oh so he'll be 20 he turns 24 okay. he turns 24 this coming july so well yeah, he turns 24 in July. So he's 23, going to turn 24 in July. So he'll be 23. Okay. So mm-hmm. it's it's just odd to me that somebody that old collegiately, um, and it's not old, you know, but we're talking about college football. I mean, I finished, my, I finished my senior season at 21, so that's old. He, he, yeah, that's when what it I'm comes saying. To, so, see, I also finished my senior season of basketball at 24 because I went to the NFL, came back, got my degree, played basketball for that year, and I was 20 three years old whenever I graduated. So, Right. Yeah. But what I'm saying, the average age of a uh, athlete, no matter what it is, when they've exhausted all their eligibility is usually 22. Yep. 28, 20, between so, 18 and 22. Yep. And so because of COVID, um, uh, the, the NCAA allowed people to have additional year of eligibility to make up for what they may have lost um, on the field or on the court. And so now you have the age, the average age going up. I don't know how they get past that moving forward because, you know, I, I don't know. I'm sure some way it'll be waned out or something like that. But long story short, if I was him, I would just went to the league. Um, but, you know, if you can go to Notre Dame and make what an NFL vet would make, which is a million dollars, or 400, whatever the case is. I forgot what the, the NFL vet minimum is, but if you can make that for a year, then maybe it's worth it because maybe, maybe it's you, it. maybe not saying he won't make it to the league, but maybe you don't make it to the league, but you in turn got money because you decided to transfer, still be in college. He's probably going to take one or two classes as a graduate. Mm-hmm. Not really have that much stress on him and, and live a life of luxury for luxury. every year and have and all they got to do is focus on football and all they got to do is yeah. because I, I think a lot of these players because I was reading no in here too you know zero but I was reading yeah. in this in this article too about the guys who were entering the transfer portal bro Oklahoma is losing all losing three of their receivers into yeah, the and they're probably going to go to they're probably going to go to USC I I don't know for sure but you know. 
So it's crazy. It, but it, but just to get back to the Sam, his, the Wake Forest quarterback's name is Sam Hartman. Just to get back to him, he had a really good completion percentage at sixty three percent, thirty seven hundred yards, thirty eight touchdowns, and is going to leave Wake Forest as the all time leading passer in his senior season to go play a graduate year over at Notre Dame. And I think a lot of these guys are doing this number one because these bigger schools get a little bit more exposure. Notre Dame gets a little bit more national exposure than Wake Forest gets. So with him being right. an actual good quarterback, if he goes to Notre Dame and balls out like he did at Wake Forest. If he was looking at being the the fifth quarterback brought off the board, he might jump up to number two or number one if he balls out. Right. So that's a little bit more exposure for him. He balled out at Notre Dame, that prestigious university, that prestigious program. They're playing bigger games they're and, bigger because they're games. independent. They'll play the USC's. They'll play the whatever. The Alabama's. The they'll play the right. Texas's. And you know what I'm saying? So they'll play those. They'll play Michigan because that's the, the rivalry but, game. You know what I'm saying? What's so, funny, and I w- not to cut you off, but I wish that fans in like could choose one or two games that colleges had to play that year, because um, you always see it in the NFL where a trade has happened or somebody decides to go to another team uh, that next saying. year they that put year that, they team that team on, team on the schedule. They, they play yeah. that team. I kind of wish that would happen just to see uh, that that would but be must see TV, especially Dame, with all the transfers. They're yeah, in the Dame ACC, the, so I. No, not well, the football they're not program. in the ACC. They're, well, they're not in the ACC, but right, right. They're not yeah. in the ACC, but they have. They're obligated to play, or they're contractually obligated to play five or six games of ACC teams every year. Wake so Forest is going to be on it, there. It very well <laughs> could be that Wake Forest is their turn to play Wake Forest this year because I don't think they played them this year. So Bruh. that would be interesting. But I, 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 I wish that that could happen across all transfer portals where if somebody left a school that was a star and they decided to go to another school that that school that they left was on the schedule because i mean you just want that's that's good TV. that would be exciting it's good TV. it would be definitely yeah. be exciting it yeah. would definitely be exciting yeah, but there's yeah. so many universities bro with so many kids jumping into the portal it's not like free agency where it's like 100 people there right. are thousands and thousands, thousands and thousands of kids so it would be hard right. to manage in that part but i understand what you're saying that would be primetime tv to see yeah. sam hartman at notre dame play against wake forest that game would right. literally be on national tv probably at eight o'clock game at night for sure for sure 100 100 so that would be dope but i, I think I, I like the transfer portal um you know what i'm saying I, I i think it's dope for a lot of the kids who i i, I honestly think it's dope for the kids who are those three and four star players who aren't getting that that run that they think they deserve at the university that they mm-hmm. that they chose on signing day? So say it's yep. like a four star kid that isn't getting the burn. He's just playing special teams, or he might have got ten catches for hundred yards throughout the season, but he feels like he's better than that. He can utilize the transfer portal, go somewhere we can get a little bit more playing time, and possibly show what he can really do in a program that utilizes him a little bit more, or might need him a little bit more. So I think that's dope yeah. in that sense. Uh, but in a sense of like Sam, no disrespect to him, Mr. Hartman, just go to the league, bro. Like, just go ahead and go to the league. Yeah. If you're supposed to be the fifth quarterback off the board, you're probably going to go second round. You're still going to get tens of millions of dollars. So just go mm-hmm. to the league. Just go to the league. You'll get more and living your dream right out of Wake Forest in opposed to taking that one year to just go to use a graduate year to go to Notre Dame and possibly boost your stock, which I hope happens. But it's like almost tomato tomato, bro, to me, honestly. Almost yeah. but I like the yeah. portal though. Yeah, no, I 
I 100% like the portal. I like the NIL, which is stands for name, image, and likeness for those that don't know. So athletes are able to profit off of their name, image, and likeness within college sports, which they historically have not had the opportunity to do. I like mm-hmm. both of those. Um, however, I think if it continues to be kind of chaotic like it is, mm-hmm. maybe the NCAA likes it. Um, I see them as not liking it, and they'll probably re- revise some of the rules for how name, image, and likeness is handled, and then mm-hmm. also maybe the transfer portal as well. I don't know. I, I don't think I don't see them doing anything to the transfer portal, but the name, image, and likeness they'll probably do something tinker with a little bit. They'll probably tinker it. They'll, yeah, they'll tinker it. They'll definitely tinker it because they didn't envision it being used how it's being used now. Like I said right. earlier. Their their uh, initial thought was advertising dollars, or mm-hmm. you know, athletes being able to use their name, image, and likeness for companies and businesses to use them in their advertisement and stuff like that. Not for boosters to put money together to pull players into to schools, which I still really don't have an issue with. But I don't think that was the NCAA's intent when they created that rule. I don't think it was either, but. I mean, like my final wisdom, the portal is dope. Um, the kids are using it to their advantage for sure. Um, yep. You know, trying to maximize their opportunity and maximize the money that they get off of their NIL. Um, I do see that the NIL will probably be get tinkered and it'll probably be like, a, they'll probably keep it from being, they'll probably eventually take it out of the booster's hands and put it back into the university's hands or put it back into the NCAA's hands itself to actually do it what it was intended for, which is was the advertising dollars. But I, I mess with it, man. I mess with it. I mean, kids, you know, if you if you out there, you're listening, you got aspirations and you want to, you know, you're going to a big time university or even if you're going to an HBCU and you feel like you got an opportunity to do something better, live your dream, bro. If you want to go from NCCU to NC State, which is right down the street, and you want to use the portal, use the portal, man. Just make sure you're being smart with it and make sure you up, understand the ups and downs and the pros and cons to it because, if you have you if you have scholarship at NCCU and you don't get picked up at NC State, NCCU can probably take that that scholarship from you. So just know what you're doing before you actually go through it and 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 take that and take that bet on yourself to to do yeah. something a little bit better in the better program. Yeah. So staying with the college theme for today, Ed Reed will be named Bethune Cookman's next head coach. Yes, this sir. is big news because. Bethune Cookman is an HBCU and many HBCU loyalists loyalists are hoping that his impact will be similar to that of the one and only Deion Sanders. Um, Sticks, I have multiple questions for this segment. I got a few too. I got a few too. I'm just going to start with, do you think Ed Reed can have the impact that Coach Deion Sanders did? I'm sorry. I said, let me, let me do that. Let me, let me give his respect. Come on, man. Call him when he did bro. Do you think Coach Ed Reed, Coach mm-hmm. Ed Reed, mm-hmm. can have the same impact that Coach Deion Prime Sanders had at the HBCU level? So that's one of the questions I had too. So I'm glad you I can take that off my list. But when it's actually it's not, it's, that mine's a little bit different. But I think that with Ed Reed's knowledge of the game and Ed Reed's love for the kids. He will be he will be able to rally those kids around him at Bethune Cookman. I think he'll be able to turn that university around because the last the last few years they haven't been good at all. This past year they were two and nine, so mm-hmm. I think he better turn at least turn that around. Um, but Coach Prom actually uh, back in 2021 he actually put Ed Reed in the spotlight 
for one of these spots back in April 20, about uh, last year, a year and a half ago. He was actually pointing out Ed Reed and he was actually pointing out Ray Lewis and said, uh, guys that I know that are truly interested and they love the game and they love the kids. They could be phenomenal. It could be a phenomenal thing if they got head coaching position. So I think Coach Prime put him in the spotlight to be primed to get one of these, no pun intended, but to be primed to be get one of these head coaching positions, especially at the HBCU. Mm-hmm. But my question to you, which I think I know the answer to this question, which you're going to answer is, do you, because he, he don't have much experience. So mm-hmm. do you think it was because of his profile that he got this job? Or was he actually worthy of being the head coach of this, of this university? So yeah, you you already know what I'm gonna say. I feel like Hall of yeah. Fame football players absolutely deserve to be in this position, deserve to get these head coaching jobs. Um and, and no offense, but especially at HBCUs. Mm-hmm. Um we we're, we're talking about players that played at the highest level of football and played at the highest level. They had to be they had to play at the highest level in order to be considered, even considered to be a part of the Hall of Fame, which right. only a select few get in, uh, get entered into the Hall of Fame every year. He was first ballot um, too. First, first ballot. First and, yeah. I mean, Ed Reed was a baller, um, baller. when we're talking about football. So I 100% believe he should be included um, or people of his status deserve to be um, head coach of a Bethune Cookman. And I mean, it's not like he doesn't have any type of coaching experience. He was a assistant DB coach for the Buffalo bills in 2016 or something like that. Um, Mm -hmm. While he wasn't on the field at Miami, the last two years, he was a part of their program as a director of a chief of staff. So he's been around the game. He's been around the game. He's been in these meetings with uh, coaches game planning every week. Um, at Miami, he's probably recruiting. Um, I mean, because he went to my, the University of Miami, uh, mm-hmm. so he's he's probably heavy in their recruiting process. So it's not like he doesn't know anything about being a college coach. It's just he hasn't had that head coach experience. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and in Deion Sanders, Coach Prom's, um, in his situation, he was a part of football in every aspect essentially he was on the nfl network he coached his kids little league he created a uh, an academy i forgot what it was called is it prom academy he created academy where he was a he was a head coach of that team and they were successful um Mm -hmm. he had always had aspirations if you listen to him talk he initially didn't have aspirations of being a coach but once Mm -hmm. he started coaching his kids it kind of picked up steam and he just fell in love with it. He, yeah, he, he said that, always he said says, that in his interview with Shannon Sharp. Right. He he said mm-hmm. he always um, wanted to impact kids' lives, but never thought about coaching until he actually started coaching. And mm-hmm. I, I truly believe that's the same with Ed Reed. He may not have thought of coaching football, but he thought about impacting kids' lives. Because, mm-hmm. you know, as we have seen the last couple years, maybe decade, like, People underneath us, underneath our generation, well, our generation is kind of messed up too, but it seems like kids are going down a different path and they need a little bit more guidance than what we need. I agree. 100%. Uh, and it, it might not, it may just be that the internet makes it more prevalent and it puts it more in our face than it was back in the day. But 
you know, there definitely needs some type of guidance. And kids will really only listen to you if you have some type of status behind your name now. Mm -hmm. And so Ed Reed, Deion Sanders, Eddie George, those type of players, those, you know, caliber of professional athletes, they're going to command that respect just because of who they are. Who they are. Um, Yeah. So I feel like, yes, he deserves to be in that role. Uh, As far as his impact and maybe, I'll just try to answer, you know, rebuttal my question that I asked to you. I think, I definitely think he will have an impact at Bethune Cookman. Mm-hmm. Um, I I don't know his personality enough to say if it will be the same as Deion Sanders at Jackson State, but um, I definitely think he'll have some type of impact. He'll command his program. He'll command respect from the players, and like you said, he'll probably drastically change that program around. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just don't know if it'll permeate. I like the word permeate. <laughs> I just don't know if it'll. I don't know if it'll. It'll go throughout all of HBCU, uh, HBU, other HBCU schools, as say a Deion Sanders presence did. Um, just because, like like we said in two set, two podcasts ago, Deion is the ultimate salesman. Like mm-hmm. he's going to make sure that butts are in the seat. He did it when he was playing. He did it as as we saw as a head coach at Jackson State. Um, Ed Reed was more so of a hard nose, let's get this shit done type of player. And I probably, I expect that to be who he is as a coach. Mm-hmm. But we also said uh, in a Dion podcast that we did two weeks ago, three weeks ago, that Dion did leave the blueprint and somebody can do exactly what he did, but they don't need to try to be Dion. They need to try to right. be himself. So right. if Ed Reed can pull, can take that blueprint that Dion left and mold it to who he is as a person and, and who he was as a player and do that with who he will be as a coach, I I have no reason to not believe that he can do the same things that Dion did at Jackson State. I just don't think they'll be in the same grand grand gesture as Dion did at Jackson State. I agree with you. And that was one of my other questions I was going to ask was, do you think he becomes one of those voices for HBCUs and the income resource disparity that Prime started? I think he can be. And like you said, it has to be on in his own accord. He can't try to be as outspoken as Prime because like you said, Prime is a is a character within himself. He's going to be, mm-hmm. he, he has a, a distinct way of getting his point across and using using words and using his personality to get to get what he needs. He has a distinct way of doing that. Like you said, I don't I don't know Ed Reed's personality enough to know if he's going to be able to do that. But from knowing the type of player that Ed Reed was, like you said, being hard nosed, being a go get it, let's get it done, and work hard, and you know win the game, he's gonna he's gonna use that personality and use that uh, to his advantage to be able to push Badoon Cookman over the top. Now, as far as the blueprint, I think. That, and I think I said this whenever we were talking about Prime. We both agree that it doesn't have to be somebody like Prime, but I think it has to be somebody outspoken enough to get that attention, right? Mm-hmm. I have rarely seen Ed Reed talk. <laughs> no, like no, yeah. like no. for real, for real. Like yeah. he didn't do many. He didn't do many interviews. When he did speak, it yeah. was kind of you know 
not necessarily monotone. He had energy in his voice, but it was like very short. Like I, I didn't, I've never, I've rarely seen Ed Reed speak. So it's, 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 I'm, I'm excited to see how he commands his huddles and how he commands his team because he has to be outspoken as a head coach. But as far as the matter at hand, as far as bringing that attention and getting the resources and the money and the uh, the profits to the HBCUs, I don't know if he's the guy for that. But so he can still bring I, attention to it in his own way. Yeah, I still I don't know Ed Reed. I know a couple of close friends of mine that play with Ed Reed, mm-hmm. so they know him better than I do. Um, obviously, but with the little bit that I have seen of Ed Reed, he is outspoken. He's just mm-hmm. not as outspoken as Dion, and so that is that, Yeah, you're right. Right, and so in that aspect. I don't know if he is the guy that is going to talk for er- so you know in one of our podcasts when we were talking about Dion and his wanting the money to increase for HBCUs when they played um PWIs in these money games. Mm-hmm. I don't know if Ed Reed is that person that's going to be that type of outspoken. Now, gotcha. if there's something that happens directly to him, I have no question that he's going to speak out about it and be be strong with his stance. But to say, oh, well, I, I look at the money game that we played when we played uh, Alabama and we only got $400,000. And then I go look at uh, North Carolina Central and they only got $400,000 to play Duke. And then I go look at, I don't think that's going to be him. And yeah, I could yeah, be wrong. Yeah, yeah. I hope I am because that that's good for HBCUs um, because then it, it is truly him stepping into that mold that Dion left behind and trying to impact change on HBCUs. Um, mm-hmm. I hope that is him. I just, I don't think he's that type of outspoken. I don't think so either. I think, like you say, if it happens directly to him and his program, I think he'll be outspoken about it. And I think he'll be one of those guys who Prime was saying that, need to come together as a collective and and negotiate these numbers. I think he'll be one of those guys to stand up and say, okay, cool, let's negotiate this. I don't want to make 400,000. These guys, these, these dudes need to make a million because when we, when you look at the amount of money that you're getting to put into travel, housing, room and board, um, if they request a band, the band got to be there. That's a lot of money that these universities are putting into it. And for you to spend 300,000 to get your, your, your football program and your band to these to go play Michigan as Bethune Cookman. If you spend three hundred thousand, you're only getting four hundred thousand back. That's basically break it even, and you're not really giving me nothing to come play this game to come beat, get beat right. seventy to fifteen. So right. instead of giving me four hundred k, give us one point five, and we'll come. And How'd we'll you come, come up with seventy to fifteen though? That's that's an odd number. I, I don't know. They went for two. They went for two. But, but, <laughs> they went for two and got it. It was at the end of the game. They went for two and got it. It was 70 to seven. They scored. They went for two. But, but yeah, now yeah. it was but because, you know, most of these games with these power fives playing against they these HBCUs, yeah, yeah, yeah. They, they, they usually blow out. So that, that was just a name, a number I came off the top of my head. But yeah, 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 I think yeah. he'll be one of those that say, okay, but Bethune Cookman needs more. I don't think it's going to be outspoken as, as Dion was for all HBCUs. But directly with Bethune Cookman, oh, he's going to be outspoken for sure, for sure. I think that right. for sure. Right. For sure. Yeah. So my my last question, because you pretty much asked the other question that I asked about oh, bet. head coaches, Hall of Famers getting the nod because of their name or because of their resume. So we, we both we tackled that one. But yeah, my last question is, should HBCU loyalists be concerned with this trend of coaching hires? I honestly think it, if if it does become a trend 
say for instance, over the next three years, uh, Coach Reed goes, you know, just like Dion did, he goes thirty and five, right? Over the next three years, mm-hmm. and freaking Nebraska comes calling, and he mm-hmm. leaves. I think a lot of the community, our community, will will treat him just like they treated Prom. But to lead into another question that I had is Prom has Prom. Um, and this, I'm, I'm gonna still answer your question, but this just leads into another um, question that I have for you. Is this the case of the prime example, quote unquote, where Dion has set the precedent across the country with hiring black coaches? So I think it's gonna be if it does become a trend. I think a lot of the black community and black loyalists will will eventually come to terms with the fact that Dion Dion Sanders set an example. Now we see more of our people getting these head coaching positions, and we see more of our people's more of our people getting. Um, promoted to higher universities and mm-hmm. i think i think over time once this trend continues and there's more of our people in these positions and more of our people getting to the colorados and the nebraskas and the miamis and stuff like that i think it'll become something that's praised and opposed to look look down upon yo you at an hbcu gonna leave for pwi no it's gonna be like okay the hbcu is gonna be the the the, the filter for our people to get to get better you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's what I think is going to end up being as far as that trend. Now, initially, of course, Coach Prime took the brunt of it. He he put that on his back. So now, all the other guys who come in and go to HBCUs and go up and keep going up and keep going up, it's going to be okay. Coach Prime took that took took that 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 beating for us. Now we can move forward, and now all of our people will will get on board with it, and it'll be that train that keeps moving, and people that actually start praising it at some point. That's what I think is going to happen. But initially. Coach Prime took it. Ed Reed will take it over the next three years if he does decide to leave to go to a PWI. But the more it keeps happening, the more we keep seeing our, our people progress, I think it'll be fine eventually. Yeah. So I think that they are concerned. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think they should be happy. So I think HBCU loyalists should be happy um, with this trend. Because what their concern is, is that these are these these individuals, which we're talking about Hall of Famers stepping into the head coaching role um, at HBCUs, their concern is that they're just using this as a stepping stone. Agreed. Okay. It is completely a stepping stone. But 100%. in their time, in their time at these HBCUs, one just who they are will bring attention to HBCUs as we saw with Coach Prime. Mm-hmm. Just their presence alone will bring better recruits to these HBCUs that they're involved with just because mm-hmm. who they are, as we saw with Coach Prime. Just because of who they are and what they have done in the past and the connections that they have made in the past, they will get outsiders that aren't HBCU loyalists they will get them to come in and potentially use some of their resources to help improve the respective HBCUs that they're at. Now, after we released our podcast on Coach Prime, we saw that um, people commenting saying that he didn't, you know, do all of that. The stuff was already in the works. Well, he helped finish it. How about that? Right. So the exactly. same thing is going to happen with these others because I'm assuming that other Hall of Famers or other 
high caliber football players that want to get into the coaching profession will also follow the same path of going to HBCUs. So they will help complete some of the things that haven't been completed as far as facilities at the respective universities, so on and so forth. So I think HBCU HBCU loyalists should be happy that this is going to happen. And I also think it's smart for the athletic directors of HBCUs to use this um, to, and I'm, I'll say it, to use Hall of Famers to bring more attention to HBCUs. They get mm-hmm. to use the names of well-known football players as coaches for their NIL. respective schools. To, <laughs> exactly. NIL yep. to, gain, to gain that notoriety that you were talking about earlier. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says to players that are you know, maybe playing right now or were Hall of Famers, it says to them, we welcome you here. We welcome you to come back home to mm-hmm. be a part of our program. And if you decide to leave at a later time, we don't care. We want you to, to be a part of who we are and to help bring awareness back to HBCUs. Because, again, as we mentioned a couple episodes ago, that in the 70s and early 80s, HBCUs was where all the players were, mm-hmm. um, you know, so you help bring that back, help us get back to those, those glory days that we had. Um, and I'll just make this comparison because mm-hmm. I went to a PWI mm-hmm. and I also coached at a PWI. I was a graduate assistant. I wasn't an actual coach, but I was a graduate assistant. So I was in those meetings. Mm-hmm. I'll, if, if the HBCUs are in fact doing what I think they're doing, they could be compared to the MAC, MAC conference, which is the Mid-Atlantic Conference. The MAC okay. conference for so long was considered to be the breeding ground for the next great coach at the biggest university that you, that you, so, you know, if you wanted to be, if you were thought of as the next great coach, or if you were looking for the next great coach as an athletic director for these major universities, you're probably first going to the MAC conference to see what coach is running his program well and what coach is, you know, what coach is winning. Because, mm-hmm. um, you know, you have all of those coaches that we know or that are household names now, they made they, their ranks or they, they did it in the MAC conference. And so the HBCUs could be that for black coaches okay. that, you know, Dion could be that first, that first pillar in he could be that first pillar to set off everything else that happens with head coaches, black head coaches, Hall of Fame football players getting into the HBCUs, um, using HBCUs as their first opportunity as a head coach, and then moving on to bigger and better things. And that's not to slight HBCUs. I uh, so I don't want it to. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I don't want it to seem that way. But, you know, there there is a pecking order in everything that we do in life. And it just so happens that HBCUs right now are lower than some of the PWIs. For -hmm. instance, when Dion left Jackson State to go to Colorado, in the eyes of the athletic world, and as far as the resources are concerned, that was a better opportunity for Dion Sanders. And it'll be many others that come into the HBCU head coaching ranks that will get better opportunities than where they currently would be in HBCUs. I mean, that's I just how it is. It's, it's not to slight them in any any way. Yeah, it's not slight in any capacity. Um, I, I definitely feel like it's a good hire for Bethune Cookman. Um, I think my next question is with what we know about um, what we know about Ed Reed. 
does Bethune Cookman have the number one defense in the swag next year? <laughs> mm. I think I think we'll have to look and see who he brings on <laughs> he because brings on. while while Dion is a good coach, he does run his program similar to um, how Nick Saban does it, but he has a different mm-hmm. type of swag than Nick Saban does. Um, he did bring immediately bring in players um, from the transfer portal mm-hmm. that changed that program. So I think we'll have to see with Ed Reed at Bethune Cookman who he Brain gets man. to come to Bethune-Cookman, and what coaches he surrounds himself with. And yeah, from there, I mean, yeah, from there, I think the sky's the limit. You're going to ask about Ray Lewis going with them? Well, I was going to ask, what does his staff look like? Does he does he interview random guys, you know, with experience, or mm-hmm. does he hire his homies? Like, like your Ray Lewis's <laughs> of the world. Does he do that? You know what I'm saying? Because I know Ray Lewis has made mention that he wanted to coach eventually. Uh, so does, yeah. is, is this I, Ray Lewis's stepping stone as well to come with his boy Ed Reed? Yeah, I don't think I don't think anybody would have any issues with him hiring Ed Reed. I mean, I'm sorry, with him hiring Ray Lewis at Bethune Cookman. Mm-hmm. Um, but like I said, he has had connections at other programs and in the NFL. So, and he's Ed Reed, so I'm sure he can pull in these top notch top notch coaches to be a part of that program. Um, it's just all about our certain individuals willing to take those opportunities being that they might not get paid as much as they would had at a different school. Right. And, and just to go back to that last question, bro, if I had Ed Reed as my head coach and Ray Lewis as my defensive coordinator, ain't no what I would love to go play for that university. What? Well, well first off, you know, you're going to get the, you know you can get the best pregame talk. The best pregame talk, bro. Ever. What the best motivational talk ever for pregame, bro? What? No. Ray Lewis leading that joint. Come on, bro. Yeah. Like yeah. there's gonna be there's, there's gonna be a change if that happens. That there would be a change in the recruiting at Bethune Cookman because there are gonna be more Travis Hunters in the world that's gonna be going mm-hmm. to HBCUs because of the high profile name of Ed Reed and possibly Ray Lewis being at Bethune Cookman, bro. What DB and linebacker would not want to go play for them? Right. And, and that's on, the thing man. that HBCUs have to understand that even if they are there for a short period of time, that quick flash in the pan that you can what? get with not only yeah. games that you win, but ticket sales with your memorabilia being sold could be very impactful for many years to come. So, yeah, they're leaving. They, and we don't know what's going to happen, but we can only assume if he takes the same path that Deion Sanders took, that he'll probably be gone in three years, depending on how things go. Uh, right. or four years, whatever the case may be, they may leave your school, but for the time that they were there, the amount of notoriety, the amount of money that they brought in could be impactful for the next five to 10 years. Five to 10 years. That's for sure. Yeah. That's for sure. So I, think, so I, yeah. I, I agree with you. Uh, my final words on it is I think this is an absolute great hire for mm-hmm. Bethune-Cookman. I think Ed Reed will be a great coach for the um what is their mascot tigers panthers 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 for the panthers um and i think he will have a similar impact as Deion sanders i don't think he cares to be in the same mode as Deion. not saying that he wildcats. doesn't like Deion, but sorry wildcats. wildcats 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 no disrespect to y'all um Facts. Uh, i don't think he he has any he doesn't care to be in the same mold as Dion. Again, I don't think he has any 
ill will towards Dion. I think they're best friends. Matter of fact, you know, he's one really of Dion's are. best friends. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but he just he wants to do things his himself. But you know, the natural question uh, and the natural thought process of everybody outside of Ed Reed and um, Bethune Cookman is: Can he do with what Deion Sanders did at Jackson State? And so, only time will tell. But I think it's a great hire for them. I think it is too, man. I agree with you in that in that vein, man. I think Ed Reed is going to make some strides at Bethune Cookman. Um, I think he's going to have a really good program. I think I honestly think he's going to have one of the best defenses in the nation. That's just me, <laughs> but I'm looking forward to seeing how they progress, and I'm looking forward to seeing the progression of Ed Reed's career as a coach, not just at Bethune Cookman, but but beyond too. So I think it's going to be great. No, yes, sir. Yeah. Stakes season what? one. Season Episode one 15. in the books, baby. Yes, sir. In the Part books. Of my season in the books, season man. Books, man. Yeah, finish this out, bro. Hey, man. Listen, man. We appreciate all the support that we've been getting from everybody, man. We are now up to 200, 205 subscribers now, man. So we appreciate all 205 of y'all. Uh, the 90%, we need to get y'all on board. But we understand it's a marathon, not a sprint. So we, mm-hmm. we, just, we, just, we appreciate all the support over season one. It took us so long it took us so long to actually get this thing off the ground d-lo but we fucking did it bro and i'm fucking proud of us man i'm fucking proud of us that we did this man and season two which is going to be just this fucking great we're going to make changes we're going to come back stronger and we're going we're going to fucking do this shit man so we love y'all. Why you gotta be cussing so much at the end? I'm, so, time, I'm sorry, man. bro. Cause I be hyped, bro. Cause I, <laughs> cause I love this shit, bro. I be hyped, cause like I don't think you understand, bro. Because this, this, this shit has been a long time coming, bro. It's been a long time yeah, coming. Yeah, We've been talking yeah. about this for six years, bro. And we right, finally right. did it, dog. You know what I'm saying? So I'm just hyped. I'm proud of us, man, and I'm hyped for us, man, because me, me and you, the 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 friendship that we have, the love that we have for each other, the brotherhood, man. This is something that. I take a lot of pride in, man, and I can't wait for this to be my full-time job. But that, that's up to y'all. I'll get this right. But yeah, man, I, I love it, man. What you think? What you, take, take us out, man. What yeah. you got? Yeah, I, you know, I got to mess with you, man, because every time towards the end, you start to get loose <laughs> with the lips, boss. <laughs> but, 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 uh, nah, man, I, I, I think season one was, was very, very successful because like you said, we talked about doing this for so long, put it off for whatever reason, whatever the reason was, but then ultimately decided to do it. And, you know, we made strides each week that we jumped on this microphone and, for sure. you know, had conversations with each other about whatever topic it was. And I think season two, like you said, will come back. will be hope will be just as great as we was this, this season, but even better. We'll make some tweaks and changes to try to figure out, you know, what's going to grab the attention of our, our subscribers and then grab more subscribers in, but we'll figure that out. Um, and, and until that time comes, I think we'll continue to have these great conversations take the insights that we have from life, from the experiences that we've had and put them on the topics that we talk about. Um, Because if you don't know, we talk about sports and entertainment, but we use that as a way, as a gateway to get into other aspects of what we deal with um, as a collective on a day in day out basis. So while we are looking at it through a sports and entertainment lens, we are talking about politics to a degree. We are talking about uh, relationships to a degree. We are talking about money to a degree. Um, we're talking about all of these different aspects. We're just looking at it through the lens of sports and entertainment. 
Um, mm-hmm. But yeah, we'll come back season two and we'll we'll be even bigger and better. Yes, sir, man. Yes, sir. But before we close it out, man, make sure you like the video, comment on the video because we love to hear from all of y'all and make sure you please subscribe to the channel. We appreciate y'all. We love y'all. And until next season, bro, we out, man.